Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, welcome back to Training for Manhood. This is Dan Panetti, and I've got Michael Craven back with me. We just had a conversation um, last week about uh, critical thinking, about uh, developing the life of the mind, um, and really um, grasping um, a larger story um, that we can get grafted into, right, that God has uh, planned and purposed for our life. And it, it goes beyond um, the personal, as you were talking about, that personal moment of salvation, which is, which is essential, which is important. Right. But, it, but it captures you into something that's even much larger than that. But it's going to take work to do that. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that. Um, but I wanted to uh, dive into something else. And it, it kind of springs from um, a conversation that our culture is having right now. Um, and there's a, um, a, a documentary out. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't talk about it. But I know The Daily Wire, uh, Matt Walsh uh, went around and interviewed a bunch of people. And, you know, and it's called What is a Woman? Um, you know, and there's a Supreme Court justice, right? Um, Brown Jackson, right, was asking, you know, what is a woman, right? I, I can't answer that. Biology is not my. So, so there's a there's a um, a question out there now in our culture about what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? What does that look like? And I just thought, from a training for manhood perspective, um, that's one of the things that we want to be able to answer. What does it mean to be a man? Um, and you were talking about um, you've got a son, Tyler, um, who is a Marine. Um, and he's just, he's a young guy kind of in that same question of just, what does it mean to be a man? What does it, what does it look like in our culture today? And so many things that I think that we take maybe as kind of a norm from the past of what masculinity is of what manhood is, um, has been attacked, um, and belittled. And we, it's almost like we we're, we're, we're running from those things now, this toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um, and a lot of our young people are just struggling to try to figure out what does it mean to be a man? So I wanted to ask you that question because you're as a father, as a man, yeah. right? You're, you're wrestling with a lot of those things as well. So yeah. what, where, where do you want to start the conversation? Well, um, you know, I, th- I think this really gets down to our philosophy of parenting, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not sure that many today have an adequate or certainly Christian philosophy of parenting. And if we adopt a Christian philosophy, then one of our goals has to be to, or our primary goal has to be to raise virtuous men and women. Mm. That's the objective of parenting. Um, it's it's not it cannot be reduced to uh, the the higher or making higher the goal of well I want them to get a good education so they can get a good job and live a happy and 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 fulfilled life mm-hmm. uh, live the American dream and we we may not articulate it as crassly as that but practically but if you boil it down. That's that's where we tend to reside. Right, is you, in you this raised, area. You raised a young man that you sent to war. Yeah, which is different than raising a young man that you send to yeah. college to get a good job to get a right. So that's that's an interesting right. Yeah, and 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 what was interesting is some of the things that I heard from Christians, hmm. like I would never send my son to war, and I thought, but wait a minute. If we, if we raise our young men to be virtuous, mm-hmm. to have a sense of duty, a sense of honor, 
a sense of um, protection, of justice, of enacting justice, mm-hmm. and realizing that sometimes that uh, because God has given the power of the sword to the state, that you are an instrument of that state. Yeah. To enact justice. Yeah. If there is evil in the world. There is evil in the world. <laughs> like some, some people may yeah. not understand that, but if there is yeah. evil in the world, there has to be something to be able to counter that. Yeah. And you're right. Sometimes it is the state. Uh, sometimes that evil is another state. And yeah. sometimes war is a, a justifiable right, concept and an, an expression of that. So yeah. we need men and women uh, to be placed in that particular position of defending yeah. Right, something that's greater than themselves, and and recognize and being willing to accept that sometimes there are risks mm. associated with with the pursuit of virtue, um, and 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 I reasoned, my wife reasoned that it was it was worthy of the risk that mm. virtue is more important than the alternative, yeah. and um, you know a lot of times when we talk about masculinity we think that um it is fathers that contribute most to the formation of of their sons and, and we've talked about that here it yeah. takes a man to make a man yeah. right but you've got a different perspective we I talked do. about earlier i do and i saw this in my wife mm. um you know i will tell you sending um a child to war and, and is about the hardest thing one can ever do yeah. and being a veteran myself i i knew what he was in for yeah. And um, it was it was very very difficult. It was a very fearful time. I, I we both of us had to spend a lot of time in prayer and with reliance upon the Lord. Um, but what my wife did that I so admired is everything in her was terrified mm-hmm. about the reality of where he was going. And he was a combat marine. He was a, an infantry marine. He was going to be crossing the wire, as they say, every single day and going into armed combat and being involved in gunfights. Right. And he was. Um, heavy casualties in their units, seven killed in action, 82 um, serious casualties. So it was it was an intense season. Mm-hmm. But what my wife did was she she concealed those apprehensions as a mother in order to impart to him higher, more noble expectations from his mother and a woman, Mm -hmm. that this is what I expect of my son. Do your duty. Do not fail. Be courageous. Serve the people on your right and your left. And she may not have articulated all these things, but she she communicated these things. In right. fact, I have she this. She embodied them. She embodied them. Yeah. And 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 this also contributes to the formation of manhood. Is when women teach young men what women expect from them. Guess yes. what? Men rise to the occasion, <laughs> real quick. Yeah. Uh, because so we may, want the approval of women. And, and, and that's a that's a great way to state it, though, because we're not talking about a woman training a man to be a man, but we are talking about women expecting men to be men, right? I think of the movie, you know, 300, you know, the mom is there and she's like, you know, either come home on your shield or, or with it, right? Just, I mean, you know, yeah. it's communicated to you that this is the expectation. This is, yeah. you embody that as a woman. And, and I think the the reality of that. Um, are we raising our young women to expect our men to act like men? 
Yeah. Right. In the terms of sexuality. Right. If you're a young woman and you're dating a guy, if he's not treating you as um, as precious as, you know, first Peter three. Right. As the in a sense of the weaker vessel, we always talk about just, you know, the more precious, the more valued, the more uh, to be taken care of. Right. If a yeah. young man in a dating relationship is pushing you to do things that you don't want to do, is crossing boundaries that you don't want to cross, you need to be out of that relationship. Yeah. Because. You are not expecting him to act like a man. So when he doesn't act like a man and he doesn't defend you and he doesn't protect you and he doesn't take care of you, then, right, you're part of that blame. Right. And so you're right. If young women, right, would expect men to act like men. Now, we still need men to train men to be men, but we do need women to expect us to act like men. And we will rise to that opportunity and challenge because we would like to be with a woman one day and be married. And if we aren't acting like men and women say, I'm not going to be with a boy, yeah, then we're going to have a lot of boys growing up real quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you, you know from our work in the past that, mm-hmm. that it is women that yes. determine the sexual ethic of a culture. Yes. Um, and they can change the sexual ethic of a culture Absolutely. overnight. Yes. Because they control opportunity. Yep. And and when they controlled opportunity, um, that, that you just you just opened up a whole world oh, yeah. of conversation yeah. <laughs> that goes back. We did. We spent what seven years together mm-hmm. dealing with um, the reality of the sexual ethic. Yeah, dealing with um, the the world of pornography and and how to battle against this pervasive sexuality um, that is contrary to God's best for us. Yeah. and what does it look like, and how do we engage that, and how do we defend? Um, God's design for sexuality. Um, and you're right. Uh, that One of the things that you pulled away from that was that women hold the opportunity. Um, and so in a sense, they, they carry that key and they need to, we need to raise young women. I think about Psalm 144 where, you know, the, the author is talking about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. And he describes a woman, right, as a, as a pillar carved to adorn a palace. And I get this idea of a, of a strong uh, resolute, um, beautiful, um, but yet um, statuesque person who's saying, listen, if, if you want to be with me, these are the things that it's going to require, yeah. right? This is what it means to be a man. And I'm, I'm not just going to go and be in a relationship with you and to give away my virtue um, to somebody who does not earn it and somebody who's not going to marry me, yeah. <laughs> right? And that's right. marriage was such an important part of that particular ethic. Yeah. Well, and, and histori- historically, I mean, you talk about the emasculation of men. Mm-hmm. The, the extension of sexual opportunity outside of marriage has done more to emasculate men than anything, anything else. else. Yep. You, you think it's freedom. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Because I don't, this may come as a shock to some of your listeners, but men really want to have sex. <laughs> and historically, when society enforced absolute monogamy, men understood the only way to do that was, was to make marriage. themselves an attractive potential spouse. Yes. You have to be married yes. to have yeah. sex. Yeah. So how do I get married? What does a woman require of me? That's that right. was the question, yeah. right? And, yeah. and, and it became something where young men were like, oh, I got to get a job. Exactly. Right? Like, I, I've got to, you know I got to grow up. I got I to gotta grow up, yeah. right? And what happened to young men? They did those things. Yeah. Not, not everybody, right? But as a culture, you begin the to overwhelming see majority. overwhelming majority. Yeah. Right? And today, in, in you know, it's so many men, I use the word underwhelming. So many men are underwhelming 
but yet women are not expecting more from them. Yeah. And so now a lot of women are like choosing just to be single. I'm never going to get married. Yeah. Can I have a child without having a man? And it's like, oh my goodness, this yeah. is a terrible place to be, right? Marriage is not celebrated. We are not raising our young women to have those expectations, but we're also not raising our young men to meet those. Yeah. Well, I'm also the father of two daughters. Yes. And um, um, one is, is soon to be 28, and um, she has been thoroughly frustrated um, up until recently, thankfully. Um, and, and I just told her, honey, you've got to wait yeah. until you find men. You're dealing with feckless boys yeah. that offer nothing. No. Uh, they it's, don't care about anything but themselves. And it is, it's frustrating. It, it's frustrating yeah. right from that young woman uh, standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, to look and to say, this, this is what I have to settle for. And the answer is, no, you don't. Do not settle. Yeah. So I, I use a phrase all the time. It's, it's funny when we talk about, you know, when, when you go to the, you know, you're talking about somebody who's dating somebody or married or whatever, and they always talk about the guy out kicked his coverage and he did so much better, you know. It's like, oh, and I'm always like, okay, that's a terrible statement about a young lady, <laughs> right? That means she settled for somebody that was beneath her. Right, and I think we need to we need to get rid of that whole concept. We don't need to have women settle for men that are beneath them. Yeah. Right. We need men to rise up and to accept the challenge and say, if I'm going to lead somebody spiritually, right, and I want them to be running towards the Lord, then that means that that's where I have to be as well. Yeah. Right. What does it mean to be a man? So interesting conversation. What else about that conversation? Just kind of with Tyler thinking of him. Right. Have you kind of wrestled with? Well, obviously, you know, when he when he got out of the Marine Corps, he came back, he went to Texas A&M, mm-hmm. and um, I'll never forget, he calls me one day and says, Dad, I think I've met the woman that I'm going to marry. Mm-hmm. Very excited. And Dad, to his credit, says, you know, always there to ruin everything, right? <laughs> says, so have you dealt with the, what are you going to do about those two hanging questions? Mm. He said, what? I said, "Where does she? Who does she say Jesus is? Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do about sex?" Silence. Yeah. <laughs> He's called. Why did I call Dad? Exactly. Call Mom next time. Note to self. <laughs> and I said, "Tyler, you've you've, you've got to you got to find out. You got to know for sure who does Amen. she say Jesus is." Yep. Um, and secondly, if you love this woman, mm-hmm. if you think this woman is the woman that you are going to marry then you need to have that conversation right up front and you being the man right. establish those boundaries and say i value you so much that i don't want to bring that into our relationship at this point because it will it will in in and it'll stop us from developing the true intimacy that we really want true it'll it'll interfere it'll inhibit that yeah. i've talked about this idea and i don't know if people grasp it but they say um, that when you introduce sexual activity into a relationship, it becomes the ceiling of the emotional development of the relationship. Absolutely. And, and so the, the idea is if, if you have sex on you know, yeah. date number one, yeah. right, date number two or whatever, that when you get into a conflict later on, you run back to sex because that's your connection. Instead of developing the emotional yeah. connections that are deep and profound, sex is always there. Right? And it is always a good connector because God designed it that way. But you have to have other ways to yeah. work through conflict and to connect. You have to have the emotional, the intellectual, the spiritual aspects as well. And if you use the physical immediately, all those things get thrown out. Yeah. And unfortunately, that relationship um, always stays, in, in a sense, in its infancy. Yeah. And people wonder why, right, 10 years later, 
They struggle in their marriage. They struggle in their communication. They struggle, right, with figuring things out. And it's like, well, you had sex, right, in the first week, right? And you use that as your Band-Aid to cover up a, a bunch of problems. But eventually, those problems get bigger, and you can't cover them up anymore. Yeah. Well, it, it, it arrests all of the emotional, mm. verbal, psychological connectivity development in a relationship. Yes. And everything is now centered on that physical connection, yep. uh, which which is not adequate apart from all those other things. Ex- so that's a great way. It's not adequate. Yeah. It is a it is a fantastic tool that God yeah. has given us to create that connection, yeah. right? But when it's when it's a part of those larger things and all those other things working together, it it has a place. Yeah. But when it becomes the predominant way to connect. Right then, eventually, and especially from a woman's perspective, she gets tired of it. Yeah. Right. Like, oh my goodness, are we not? We can't talk about anything. Right. We, we can't right. relate to. And he's just like, you know, just run back to sex, run back to sex, run back yeah. to sex. And it's like this relationship is shallow, and it's not significant, and it's not meaningful. Yeah. Right. And eventually, you you grow tired of it. Yeah. Because it, it's not allowed to deepen. Right, and I think that's that's a super important. That's a great conversation to have with your with your son. Well, what are you going to do with those two things? I love it. What was great is, um, you know, I again, I I think he was a little felt a little setback, like, oh gosh, yeah. why did why did I call my dad? Now <laughs> I got some really hard things to do, and I didn't hear from him for a couple of weeks, <laughs> which I thought was curious. Yep. Finally, he calls me and said, "Dad, I had the conversation." Yeah, and I said, "Well, as to the first question, what'd you say?" Well, that was that was all positive. Yeah. She was she was, you know, very young in in and and sort of in an exploratory state in yeah. her faith, yeah. and and but but open and yearning and yeah. wanted to learn and grow and 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 uh, really come to understand Jesus as Lord and Savior, uh, and did. Um, I said, "How about the second? Mm. He said, "Now that was interesting." That's how he said it. Yeah. I said, "Well, tell me." He said, well, I just laid it out and said, you know, I care about you. Um, I think this relationship has a real future. And Mm -hmm. by that, I mean that I will be your husband and you will be my wife Mm -hmm. for life. And um, he went on to say a number of other things. And I said, what'd she say? He said, well, she cried. And I said, well, was that good? (laughs) (laughs) And she said, I've never had anyone ever say anything like that to me. And um, they maintained that that posture throughout their engagement, and and what they discovered was talking about sex is maybe even more intimate than actually having sex. Mm-hmm. And they got to know one another. They That's developed right. a bond and a yep. connection. And then on their wedding night, they got to share that wonderful experience, yeah. and they did. So, um, yeah. So well, and, with, and within the boundary and protection of marriage. Yeah. You, it, the the freedom that you have, right, to be a sexual being the way that God has designed, because you don't feel like I've given something to somebody and now that's the connector. It's like no, you're connected. Yeah. Right. You you've you've committed. Yeah. I've made a covenant before God to yeah. be with you, and now I have the freedom. Where before, right, I'm you know sexually active and I'm running around and I'm trying to connect with different people, but you're giving away so much of yourself and you're not getting anything in return. Yeah. And it, it's, it, it becomes a very frustrating thing. So I love that idea, right? Men, if you're the one who's leading the relationship and setting the boundaries, that's one of the boundaries that you need to set is yeah. we, are, we are not going to engage right, in sexual activity until we're married. We're not having sex until we're married, yeah. period. 
right? In, end of conversation. And, now, and, and now, daughters can say the same thing. Daughters can say the same thing. And now, what, is that, what does that look like in terms of practically living it out? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that means, uh, hey, we're not probably going to be alone um, yeah. <laughs> watching a movie yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at 1030 at night without anybody else around. Yeah. Right. Because they, right, so you have to make those decisions and you have to be responsible. But that 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 shows the other person how much you value them. Absolutely. And I see that even to this day, they've been mm. married almost five years. And my daughter-in-law, the thing that always comes through to me in their relationship is she feels so protected. Yeah. So, um, so valued in that relationship. She trusts her husband yes. to to provide, to protect her, yes. to guard her heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't they don't talk as if two people that are just living together. There's there's something deeper there, yeah. um, and that's the beauty of the way God has designed the marriage covenant. Um, you know, we don't we don't understand when the Bible the Bible does not describe a ceremony as the thing that consummates marriage. Nope. <laughs> it's the sex act yep. that consummates marriage. To, to know a woman. Yes. Some biblical yeah. language. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know a lot of women. Yeah. No, 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 that's not yeah. what it means to know. Yeah. It. Yeah. it means to know intimately yeah. and sexually to know a woman. So folks that are living promiscuous lives don't realize that they're yeah. just getting married over and over, over and, and over, over again. again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, in a sense, married and divorced, married and divorced, married yeah. and divorced. And yep. you don't realize, right, that, that connection and then that breaking, right? The way that God has designed us is that's actually very profound. Yeah. And, and you may not know it and you may minimize it, but just understand that to your soul and who you are in, in God's creation, uh, it's a very profound and very damaging lifestyle. Well, and it's and again it it reinforces our original point. This is this is where women assert their femininity. Exactly. Men assert their masculinity yes. in healthy ways. Yes. And and this produces a healthy harmonious society yep. beginning with families. Yep. You remember in the Song of Solomon um when uh, Solomon meets, you know, the the Shulamite, I mean, you know, meets, you know, his his uh, wife and and you know it's a it's a beautiful picture of you know don't arouse and awaken love before it's time and so they wait and uh, at the end one of the things they talk about is how this young woman is very appreciated of she she appreciates her brothers hmm. and she says thank you for helping me right to be um, a wall and not a gate yeah and the funny thing is is like if if you think through the the picture what she's saying is Right. Thank you for holding me accountable and, and, and making sure that there weren't a lot of men going through the gate having sex with me. You made me a wall, right, so I could stand firm so that when a man came, right, and we could consummate this and we had that sexual act, it was within marriage and it was for life. And, and right, and just kind of that, yeah. like, our women need men around them. Like, if you're a brother and you've got a sister, you need to protect her. That's right. And if she comes home with some guy that's, you know, hey, that's not in the best interest, you need to say something to her. Yeah. Right? And maybe you need to take that guy and do something to him. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you need to protect your sister, right? And then you need to show her what it looks like to be a godly man in the way that you yeah. deal with women, right? Dads, we need to do this for our daughters. Um, I, the, the movie, I can't remember um, which one of the Kendrick Brothers movies that they had, um, Courageous, right, was um, there was a, a young girl in the movie um, that started dating kind of a guy that wasn't good for her. And it, she found out in kind of a, you know, not good way of like, oh, this guy's not, he doesn't have my best interest, you know, at heart. So she goes to the dad and the dad says, listen, you give me your heart and I'll protect it. 
and then I'll tell you when that young man is ready to marry you. Mm. When that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so dads, we need to do that, right? We need to, yeah. in a sense, guard the heart of our daughters, right? And, and I, you know, that, that idea of you're having a conversation with somebody who wants to marry your daughter, it's like, you need to have that conversation with that guy who's interested in your daughter, yeah. who's looking at your daughter and say, who are you? Before yeah. I let you come around here, right, and connect that emotion, I, I need to know who you are. And, yeah. and what your intentions are and, and who you're going to be, right? And what your relationship with is, is, is with God. Because if you're not under God's authority, then how is my daughter supposed to come under your authority? Yeah. Well, I remember when we were working in, uh, particularly in the area of dealing with the sexualized culture, the impact of pornography, mm-hmm. how often we would talk to couples, to wives, and they would say things like, um, their husband had been struggling with these this sexual compulsivity for all of their relationship right and she'd say things like my father knew it yeah and he didn't do anything yeah. and you could just see the pain that that left on them my father did not protect me that haunted me and uh, all these years and then when i had children and i have my two daughters growing up i vowed i will never be that father that that fails to protect them, right? And there are risks associated with that, mm-hmm. uh, not least of which is is the wrath of your daughter <laughs> when when you interfere yes. in her mind. Yes, but you do so um, in an effort to protect. And and I certainly went through that with my oldest daughter. And and you know it took her probably a year. She looked back and re- with reflection said, "Thank you, Dad." Yep. You, I mean, I've often heard it said that whole concept, right? I'd rather be single, wanting to be married than to be married wanting to be single. Yeah. Right? Because once yeah. you get into that relationship and that man is not, right, the man who's going to lead mm. you and going to love mm. you uh, and he's not going to protect you, that's a terrible, terrible place to be as a young woman. Yeah, it is. Very much. Mm. So any other thoughts on that? We're, we're kind of wrapping up on this idea, the conversation of what it means to be a man. I know there's a lot of conversation out there and it's a good one yeah. to have. I think our young guys need to be asking and answering this idea of what does it mean to be a man in our culture today? Well, I I think one of the problems that is fundamental to the church's loss of relevance in our culture today has been the emasculation of men. Mm. Um, Men feel like they come into the church and the only message they receive is to be nice. Um, But nice is not a biblical virtue. Kindness is a biblical virtue. The etymology of the word nice means you're a fool. Um, and that's what we're teaching men. Yeah. Um, we, 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 we basically argue that men are a problem to be solved. I mean, think about it. Do women have accountability groups? Why do men need accountability? Ooh, good thought. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Is we're, um, so right, right when this comes out, it's going to be in the middle of our conversation about Wild at Heart. Mm. And that's one of the things that Eldridge really pushes back on is, um, you know, the church and men have bought into that whole idea of, uh, being nice is kind of the ultimate virtue, yeah. right? And I often say I'd, I'd rather have a godly kid than a good kid, yeah. right? Now, a, a godly kid is, by definition, going to be a, a good kid. But if you if you had to raise a godly kid, right, that means sometimes they're going to run into conflict with people, and people aren't going to like them, and they're not always going to be nice, even though I can speak the truth in love. Sometimes speaking the truth <laughs> is perceived yeah. as not being nice. Right, so that idea of what what does it mean to be a young man, right? From a church's perspective, right? I want godly men in my church. Yeah, not not good men, not nice men, godly men. Yeah, right. Now, are they going to be uh, gentlemen 
and, and treat people with respect? And the answer is, of course they are. Yeah, that, that, that's all yeah. a part of it. You look, at, you look at the person of Jesus, right? And it's like, oh my goodness. I mean, he was a godly individual, right? Embodied that, that you know, to the nth degree that we'll never know. But, I mean, what an incredible, respectful person. But those people that got in his way and those people who were not honoring God, he didn't mind throwing a couple tables over. And <laughs> he did not shrink back. He did not shrink back. He did not shrink back. And I, I think Some people is... would say he may not have been nice in certain circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I'm always struck by the, uh, the encounter of Jesus and the adulterous woman who mm. they are preparing to stone. Oh, boy. And Jesus physically interposes himself in between this woman and this crowd. Yeah. That that legitimately has the right to kill her, to murder her Absolutely. in the street. And he basically puts himself in between them and her and, and says, and, I dare you. Yep. And you know what? His physical presence in that story is amazing because when she comes in, they throw her on the ground. And the first thing he does is he goes down to her level. Yeah. From a man's perspective in that culture yeah. to reduce yourself to her level. Yeah. Right. Is is bizarre, is yeah. amazing. And then at the end, when everybody leaves, it says that Jesus turns around and she was standing, mm. right? He had elevated her. She's yeah. no longer on the ground and looked down upon as an object, right, for the man's wrath, right? But now she's standing, right, with her Savior. Yeah. And she's elevated and she's protected because he stood in the way of those people. Well, you know, Jesus gives us the ultimate model mm. of masculinity in that whether it is in actuality or metaphorically, men must be willing at all times and everywhere to lay down their lives for their country, for their wives, for their children, uh, for, for, for all that they put their hand to. They need to be totally committed and passionate and, and consumed with virtuous pursuit of laying down their lives and doing the right thing, no matter what it costs them. That's, that's the nature of, of manhood um, that we aspire to and that we want to impart to our sons and teach our daughters to expect. Amen. Well done. Michael, thank you for your time. Thank you, bud. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training4manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.